Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is Washita graduate Michael Krikorian from the class of 2010. At Washita, Michael was a member of Concert Choir, Washita Singers, Washita Sounds, was a Tiger Tunes host, and in nearly every theater production during his years as a student. After graduation, Michael moved to New Orleans for graduate school and was soon acting in school productions and films, then commercials, and has recently been cast in American Horror Story, NCIS New Orleans, and The Thing About Pam, to name a few. As The Thing About Pam wraps up this week, we chat with Michael about life in New Orleans, his career as an actor, and his favorite memories at Washita, like being a Tiger Tunes host, working with Eric in the shop, and performing in various productions. All right, Michael Krikorian, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, how are things in New Orleans today? Uh, things in New Orleans, have, uh, it's been a busy uh, busy first uh, quarter of the year here with uh, Mardi Gras that always sets everybody back on their heels. Um, had a lot of big weather last uh, last couple of weeks with some tornadoes that have uh, been, you know had some damage down here, but uh well, it's, 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 it was a beautiful weekend, so we're looking like to have a, our nice little three or four weeks of good weather until it's not good weather until October. So we're looking forward to this nice little uh, part of the springtime where we can be happy to be outside before we never want to be outside again. <laughs> yes, that's true. Did the storms stay kind of away from y'all or did they get super close? Um, it's kind of crazy. I grew up in North Texas. So if you had told me, Hey, there was a tornado that touched down between, you know, two miles from you, I would be like, Whoa, that's close. And in new Orleans, because of just the way all the neighborhoods are and the way that, you know, the city's kind of orientated, you know, it's like, Oh, they touched, you know, they they, they hit uh, across the river, which is still only two miles away. Everybody's like, Oh, that's, that's, that's on the river. That's way over there. Um, but it is, it is, it was relatively close to, you know, as you'd ever like to be to a uh, tornado. And there was a significant amount of damage for uh, out in the Araby, New Orleans East, um, Chalmette area over there. So the, so they're still working on it. And, and there's, you know, tons of the city has still got blue tarps on their roof from the, the hurricane last August, Ida. So there's a lot of, it's kind of a constant thing here. It's part, part of the, part of the um, lay of the land. Yeah. Now, have you been in New Orleans since graduation? Where did you just pretty much start down there? What was that path like? Yeah. Um, I, my path was, uh, it was, it ended up being down here because uh, Mary Handybow used to go to the, uh, went, did her grad work here at the University of New Orleans. And I had met David Hoover, the chair of that department at one of our KCACTF theater festivals. And I kind of did an impromptu audition for them and uh, got into the grad program there. So I went and worked in New York for the summers, like I kind of did for a while uh, for the public theater up there. Then I came down here to start grad school in August of 2010, and I have not left. Okay. So I guess you like it down there. I do. Uh, Barring like the the weather events that we talk about, you know, having it, it's just uh, it's a uh, it's I, I tell people it's the most fun you'll have living in a city. Okay, there's there's the frustrations that come with anywhere that you live. Uh, there's you know there's trade offs and that kind of thing, but uh, I don't I, I I love my life here. It's uh, it's been great. That's awesome. So did you get um, some acting gigs pretty much straight out of your grad school work through those connections? Like when did that start for you? So. It's kind of, it's, it, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's, a, it's always a tough question of when people ask you, like, how do you get 
acting gigs and it's kind mm. of well uh so i was going to grad school and i just one of the reasons i ended up actually leaving grad school about halfway through um i wasn't really interested in teaching and if i'd stayed any longer i would have uh you know finished up but i would have gone into debt and had a degree to do you know not really anything that i wanted to do with i was going there primarily for to get acting training and that wasn't really happening there at the time um the program wasn't doing wasn't doing uh so great as a theater uh, as a theater grad program but their film program there was one of the best in the country um and so and with the industry especially around then it was really booming there was just a lot of really talented people coming down here and were at grad school doing you know all their thesis films and um you know class film projects and stuff so i got to know a lot of these people just by being an actor and being in their student films and being in their thesis films, which, you know, some are, you know, there's, there's a wide range of how those end up being. Some of them are beautiful, gorgeous pieces of work and some things are a little, not that let's just say, but what it does give you is footage of yourself, which you need to, you know, and, and, you know, in, in theater, it, you, most of the time you do auditions, it's a, it's, it's some sort of a live audition type thing. Um, where it used to be so, but on, you know, you don't get in front of a casting director for, you know, TV and film or even get a good agent without having a reel of just you being on camera. So I was fortunate enough because of the people I met in grad school, I was able to um, have a good amount of footage to make a nice reel and then was able to get a decent agent. And then uh, they just start submitting me. And I, it was a um, 2012 was when I really started uh, I had my first little, you know, nice little round of uh, booking a bunch of things back to back to back to back. Um, and uh, so it, it took a couple of years. Um, I was doing a lot of non-union things before, a lot of non-union commercials, non-union film projects, that type of stuff. But then once you start getting into the better projects and booking those, then that's uh, it, it changes the ballgame for you a little bit. Yeah. Did did you know, I guess, it, what does the, the TV and film production scene look like in New Orleans? I mean, I, I think it's growing and continues to grow down there. Tell me what it, it looks like down there. Um, it Relative to a city of this size, it's huge. Um, when I when I first got down here, like I said, in about 2010, the, 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 it was booming because you had big shows like Treme, you had some other big budget movies down here, and they still didn't have all of the studio space and development for sound stages like they do now. Um, and then a couple of years after some state legislation had a huge impact on the film industry because the people were coming, like the industry was coming here for the tax credits and the, and cause they could save a lot of money by shooting here. And then the um, legislation changed that and made it a lot harder for them to get credits, made them less credits available. It was a lot, it also was a lot of misinformation and, 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 you know, and confusion, but in an industry that is about, we need to do this all right now, dollars and cents, we're not going to mess with you. We're going to Atlanta. So, you know, we're going to Georgia, which kept most of that's why Georgia is so big, so big, but they also have the infrastructure built around to house an industry that large after time, after a few years, we finally got the industry back and it is, it is very busy right now. Um, there's, we've got like four or five different big sound stages in new Orleans, plus a couple in uh, Baton Rouge. Um, and, and they're building another one. Anthony Mackey just, announced that he's building a whole uh, set of sound stages down here. So 
it's it's very good that 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 keeps things here for a long time. You know, movies kind of come and go, but what you really like, as far as people like me, you like really want TV shows, things that are going to be here for years because all your friends are going to keep working on that. That people that are in crew, and then you know, there's more roles in television and that kind of thing, or long series than there are in movies. So, but it, the industry is doing well. Um, COVID just like everybody had a huge effect on it, but um, it is still a very big booming industry here. It's a very important part of, um, I think, you know, the whole narrative of national of the United States film story is moving away from LA. It's not like LA is going anywhere, but there's so many other places to go that can, uh, can house the industry and that they can find different things with. And uh, it's, 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 it's really cool that this is a place that has that here as opposed to uh, moving somewhere else. Yeah, do you primarily only want to take gigs kind of in your area or are you, you know, going other places and doing shows? Um, that's a good question. I mostly stay here in New Orleans just because that's where the in my region, you know, the kind of the southeast region, uh, that's you know, I don't drive over, I'm not driving nine hours to go to do a you know, an audition in Atlanta or anything. But I mean, it's not that I don't, but everybody just tapes now. That's a, that's a whole put a pin in that. But um, the, uh, I, no, I do stuff. I'll do stuff in Texas. I'll do stuff all around here. I mean, if they want to fly me and put me up somewhere, then I will go wherever. I don't care. Um, you know, but they mostly do locals casting here. Um, but that doesn't mean it's just all, you know, there's tons of, there's background stuff or being extras. That's a whole different thing. And I, I did that starting out, but I don't do that anymore. Um, obviously, but, uh, they do have a lot more co-star and guest star and, you know, supporting roles that they do. They do cast out of here, or at least give you a shot. You know, you got to beat all of LA for bigger parts, but Hey, it happens. And if you do good work, they'll, they want to hire good people. So, um, I mostly stay around here in New Orleans. I've done some in Mississippi and Atlanta and all that kind of stuff too, but mostly here. So the the show that everybody's been watching now, the thing about Pam, was that filmed in your area? Were you able to stay kind of close to home, or did you have to leave? Oh yeah, that was that was filmed in New Orleans. Right okay, it takes place in and I think up in uh, Missouri, but uh, yeah, it, it's it all takes place in New Orleans. I mean, if you watch the show, you can see like snow and stuff all around. That's all CG, <laughs> you know. And then my mom watched it. She was like that's a new Orleans house, like very new Orleans style house. And one of the, I think one of the shots while they were driving or something like she was like, that's a new Orleans house. But yeah, they, they shot that all around here. Uh, we were on some sound stages. They made in an old like dairy processing factory plant. They built all these sound stages in there. Um, huh. So we were over, I was over there for a good five or six days. That's awesome. Um, you know, what have you enjoyed most about being on that show? I guess it, how long ago did it film? I mean, we see it today, but how long ago was that? So turnaround turnaround times for you know television is pretty quick relative to like a film um, because they have a slot that they're trying to get it in and for NBC they wanted to really be able to push it start pushing it during the Super Bowl because they have the most eyeballs on there and then also during the Olympics so they wanted to capitalize on re- using Renee Zellweger you know for her first TV thing since her you know since her auction which just got an Oscar and all that stuff but uh, we filmed it back in November. So having a March turnaround time is relatively quick. Um, Also just depends on the show. When I used to do, uh, you know, other shows like, you know, NCIS, those when they shoot nine and a half months out of the year and they do 23 one hour episodes, they crank those things out fast. Hmm. Um, You'll shoot and it'll be the next one in a month or so sometimes. But that one we shot in November. um, And I think they, they wrapped up on the whole series before the first of the year. They always usually try to do that 
Um, they had some weather issues too. They were trying to avoid too. So I think they wrapped up the whole show before the end of the first end of the year. And then that's a quick, it's still a quick turnaround two, two or three months when they, and they start airing the show. That's a, that's, that's still a quick turnaround in the, in the scheme of film and television. Yeah, that's pretty quick. I, w- I didn't have any idea on how long that would take, but um, Emily and I have seen you in a lot of things, the American horror story series, you know, we were following that you know, commercial stuff that you used to do, but we did not know you were in this. And so we really did scream the first time we saw you on there. Like, Hey, look, we know him, you know? On oh, that's cool. And then when I saw your post about it, we were looking forward to seeing the next one that had a little bit more footage in it, but it really has been a, a great show. We followed it from the dateline on, you know, kind of uh, following the story. And every time we watch it, we're just like, how on earth is this real? You know, I'm, oh, from, yeah. and I'm from Missouri. So I was like, how on earth was this like a thing, you know, in Missouri? I- I remember listening to the podcast on a plane. I was actually, I was flying out to LA and um, I was listening to the podcast on the plane and I was just was like, this is ridiculous. It's, 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 it was a story like, well, yeah, no wonder they're making a TV show out of this. I was also interested in how they're going to like what the tone of the TV show, because it's absurd is a great word to describe the story. Right. It's, it's completely absurd that this thing. And so I, I auditioned, 12 times i sent in tapes for 12 different parts for this um i got i got you know on hold to or sent to network and put on hold for uh officer merkel it was the he's the bald cop of the two main cops that first do the or the two um detectives in the first part of the first like few episodes i was up for that part didn't get it but i kept sending in other tapes for things and i was lucky to get this one that was on a couple different episodes so that was good but it, it's a crazy story and i keep having to tell my wife i was like we're still on the rails here the train has not even gone off the rails yet there's still so much crazy that has to happen that you're not going to believe that's going to make all this seem like boring (laughs) like so it's still so nuts yeah it's so well done too i mean just i mean the character development and stuff has been so great to see you know how people the casting seems to be really great Um, what have you enjoyed the most about working on this project um hey anytime you get to act it's enjoyable uh anytime you get to do uh film work it you know it comes you never know when it's going to happen you send in tapes all the time so hey just getting to work getting to be on the set is always it's fun i think i enjoyed most just kind of i haven't gotten to do a courtroom scene and just seeing how doing a courtroom scene works and how you have to film a courtroom scene like man this takes forever mm-hmm. we had four, it was a four camera setup in there and it still took like they they were on that set there for a couple of months doing all the courtroom things wow. because there's just so much coverage you have to get. There's not only the the process or the person asking the questions, whether it's the prosecutor or the other or the defense attorney, all of their coverage and a bunch of different angles. Then there's the witness. There's the you know um, there's the judge. There's the gallery. There's the jury. There's all the different parts. Of it. So like each one of those little sections is going to have a bunch of different shots on it for just that one scene. Mm-hmm. So doing the couple of scenes that I had in there on those two different episodes, that was still all day for one scene. Hmm. I've never done a courtroom scene. I've done medical stuff. I've done been a cop a thousand times and that kind of thing. But it was like, Oh, this is interesting to see how the courtroom works. And um, it seems like a big giant headache, but it was really fun. I have never got to have that uh, thing. So I think that was the coolest thing about that process. That is cool. Yeah. I guess you think of all the people's reactions you're trying to get in those scenes and they're all over the place. So when you think about it, a courtroom scene is a story of reaction. You're trying to get a reaction from the witness and trying to get a reaction from the, uh, from the judge and from the jury. So 
trying to show everybody's reaction to the question that you're asking and the answer that you're getting. That's the whole story. Mm. So, you know, I mean, that's old act, acting is not acting, it's reacting. So that's what, the, but I mean, but a courtroom, especially it's you're, you're wanting to show people how they're receiving the information because you, in essence, as the viewer, on, as the audience member, you're the actual jury, mm. which is another thing interesting about this specific story is that uh, how, what, 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 uh, what do you make up in your own head about what's going on? And then you get more and more evidence after the fact, you're like, oh, I was completely wrong but I was going off of what they told me, but yeah. Yeah. And this, this case, I mean, it's still somewhat active, right? I mean, I think there's more to come in the story, but there are still things kind of happening in the case too, which makes it interesting to put a piece out in the middle of kind of, you know, things happening in a case. That's true. And it's there to put any other logs on the fire of the story of the, the thing about Pam is still like great. Like we don't need any more. You can just do what you got and it's way more than enough. Um, so yeah, there's, I know there's still some uh, loose ends that have to be tied up. So I don't know if they'll ever address that. Um, I think Dateline is still doing a follow-up story on it. I don't know that for sure though, but the fact that they're so wound up in this story to begin with um, as a character itself is uh is real a and b it's they're not going to just like leave it alone if there's still loose ends at the end of at the end of this whenever the end is um you know what does a a typical day or a week look like for you i know you're you know sending in tapes and things but are you working a nine to five and then filling these things in what does life look like for you yeah i do i mean most uh most actors if you're not doing it full time is you know you have some other job or some other gig and you know i work at, at a great company down here called uh, dirty coast it's a t-shirt company in new orleans um and i've worked there for about three years and that's my nine to five job i'm the shipping manager there um they're great people it's a really great company um and they're really pretty flexible about a you know letting me travel for a lot of stuff I have to do. I have that job and I also have a, a virtual reality uh, development film production company. And uh, I travel most of my summers, um, you know, several weeks throughout the summers to go film for, for that. We travel around to vet schools all around the country. Um, so at any given week, I might be going to work from nine to five, coming home, editing video until the wee hours of the morning and then squeezing in a few audition tapes <laughs> in there uh, whenever I get them. You never know when you get them. It's so cyclical. Like it gets really busy and then you don't have anything for two weeks. And then you're like, how do I get all these tapes in? Then you get something. You're like, how do I get all these in before Tuesday? And then you, that's when you were, you know, my wife very lovingly is my reader and uh, we, you know, we're a team there. And, you know, but once it gets to be about like nine 30 at night, we're trying to get a take and uh, send in a tape. We're both getting cranky and, you know, you do your best work right when you're tired of doing everything throughout the day and going in. So it, it's, it's a fun, it's a circus. It's a lot of, you know, I keep a lot of balls up in the air and keep them moving, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I like to go work. I like to come home and um, I like to, especially this time of year, we like to go hang out at all the different places around the city, whether that's um, go someplace with friends, go about down by the river and that kind of stuff and just hang out. But I don't, it's pretty normal. Pretty, I'd say I have a pretty normal every day. <laughs> I guess at this point, and, you know, do you get a lot of roles and things out of relationships you've been building throughout these things with producers? Um, is that a big part of it, or is a lot of it just kind of cold call, like sending out things for for parts? 
Well, I have an eight. I mean, I have, I don't ever cold call anymore. Like when I was for like cold call, but I mean, I have an agent, you know, they, the, all the casting directors in town, the way that it works is they send them breakdowns for all the roles they're looking for. And then my agent submits me for all of those roles. And then the casting director will be like, okay, well, we want to see Michael for this role and this role, or just this one, or all of these, you know, or that type of thing. And so I, you know, that's, that's your agent's job. Your agent's job is to give you the opportunities to do auditions and find you to work. And then it's your job to do a good, that, um, you know, and you're absolutely right that it can't like, Hey, you do, you do good work for a, a director or producer on something, or heck you may have sent a good tape. You may not book that role, but they keep you in mind for something else. And that's all stuff you can't control. And it's fun to think about, but you have to try not to think about that at the same time, because then you kind of keep holding on to all these little loose ends of roles you've submitted for, but you kind of have to let it go. Um, I, I did at some point, uh, I, I had a good relationship with some producers for, I did a, Popeye's commercial years ago and the producers for that one are out of Texas and they really liked me. Um, I had a fun time doing that audition. Um, I just was, did Minnesota accent when I went in there and I went in in character as like the only Armenian guy that's ever been in, that it's ever been from the Minnesota and I made him laugh. I got the part and then I just kept doing accents and voices and it and ad-libbing while we were shooting the commercial which is just saying the same line a thousand times so we had fun and they kept bringing me back i shot six commercials with them because they kept asking me to come back and do that and sadly enough uh i shot this whole series of commercials with jerry rice the hall of fame football player and those never aired because uh, popeyes got bought out by the conglomerate that owns burger king and they scrapped the whole series of the ad campaign that they were doing that I was a big part in. So I never saw those. And I was like, oh, that was so much money that just went poof. <laughs> um, but all that to say, you know, you absolutely do make connections. You make impressions on people. And it's really important to be a person that people want to work with. And that goes for any context. Yeah. But, you know, you can definitely do that. If it happens, it's great. If it doesn't, you have no control over it. It's such a crazy thing especially in this industry you got to kind of get the work be excited that you have it do your best be nice and then forget it ever happened and if something else comes out you get it happens <laughs> that's fun is there a, a show or role you've enjoyed the most i mean you've had quite a few but has there been some that you were like i love this this is my favorite or it's, it's a tough thing in, in film it's kind of like hey you're happy to work every time you get now or all, you know, what is it super fun to do like a one liner cop role every time? No, but you're still there and you're still getting, you're still making a decent day's work. But mm -hmm. I think, um, I think horse American horror story freak show, because it was like my first big project that I ever got to work on. And I was on two, I ended up being on two episodes of that. That one I think was my favorite because maybe it's just my first and it was a crazy, crazy, few days um I had never been on a big set before luckily because I had met all these friends through grad school they're the ones that work here so I never go to a set and not know anybody there like it doesn't matter what department they're in I know every I know people it's a, everyone from a grip to sound person to hair and makeup to all the substance I so it I was panicked we were out on location and I on the West Bank it was at night on the river and so they're just set up in the streets there all their different departments and I'm like, they just dropped me off in a van. I'm like, 
where do I go? I have no idea where to go. I have, you know, every, it just looks like a sea of people doing a thousand things. And luckily I was able to find my friend Jack, who's in the sound department. He's okay. Go talk to those people and they'll, they'll get you. And I, I had learned how to drive an old 1950s three on the tree, uh, shifting cop car in about 10 minutes and not run over the you know the main stars of the show it was nerve-wracking it was crazy but i felt so proud after i got done with it and was really and that was a it was a cool experience and you know that was the first thing i made i got sag from doing that project um that was the first major thing that i'd booked and so that i think that one is i think that one's probably my favorite for uh, for a lot of those reasons, but there's been some fun stuff. I got NCIS New Orleans was, was really cool. I got to drive a Humvee over the bridges and um, get blown up off of them. That was always cool. And, but uh, yeah, you get, you get to do fun stuff. You never know what you're going to do. You never know. You, you know, I remember in, in, you know, in school, we were always like, Hey, you got to know your lines. Well, man, you've got to know your lines. Well, to do film, even if it's one line, because you might have to do it a thousand times, but who knows what, manner of chaos is happening around you or you have to do okay you're going to walk here there's three cameras in your face you got to turn left here and go up there and go through the door but don't open the door with your right shoulder because then it brought you up you know you're like okay um what <laughs> so yeah i think i think those i think those are a couple of my favorite memories that horror story probably is my uh is i think my favorite to date i would love something to upseat it you know pam was really cool i think uh, i think pam was really cool i got a lot of opportunities on pam and uh, got to got to work with some really cool people, and um, it was also just fun to be back. You know, seeing this full production of things back after the pandemic, so that was really cool too. Yeah, has there been uh, somebody or a couple of people that you've really enjoyed working with or or meeting along? Oh yeah, time? man! For the most part, everyone's really really stinking nice, um, and I think Josh Dumal in thing about Pam was really fun he was a fun guy it was funny because i'm like i'm a pretty gregarious i'm usually a character actor type thing but i had to play a very straight-laced you know forensic analyst you know being very matter of fact and i even tried to do it a little incredulous like a person that's like you know a tech person trying to explain something to a non-tech person they're going to be a little annoyed that i'm speaking things to you that you don't understand but he had a lot of fun um with me and he you know you you probably don't you don't see you don't see it as much in the cuts but when we were doing the scenes he had a lot of fun coming at me so that was fun he was really cool um i'm a musical theater nerd so in american horror story the second episode i was on uh, i got to do a scene with neil patrick harris which i was just like geeking out hard over that that was really cool he's very nice he didn't remember me from the uh, Tony party in New uh, in New York on Tavern on the Green in 2009 when I first met him. Uh, he didn't remember me from that, but it's okay. You know, I, I forgave him. But uh, he remembered that party, but he didn't remember me there. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's been really cool. Um, yeah, I think uh, I've been kind of fortunate. It, it's it's a weird thing. It's like, uh, I'm, gosh, man. Try, it's trying to rack my brain for all that stuff. But I think those those are the ones that stand out. Like those are probably the biggest names that where I've gotten to have like a really actually one-on-one scene with them mm-hmm. as opposed to just them like being around. Um, Scott Bakula, I didn't get to like work with him when I worked. I, I did, I've done two stints on NCIS New Orleans, which is, it's over now. But like there was a cut, the last time I did it, um, I was the only real actor in the scene. There's tons of background. They built a whole emergency room just for my scene. And um, I'm talking to somebody on the phone. So I never saw whoever I was acting with. 
but Scott Bakula was on the set there and he was just really cool talking to me in between scenes because there was no really other actors there and he, he's an executive producer and so he was, he was really nice you you know it's not like i came up to him or anything he came up to me and was like oh you're telling about yourself and i'm so and we we chatted up and it was really nice i had that was a really cool experience he was very complimentary you know you don't get a whole lot of feedback mm-hmm. when you work you kind of just got to go in there and trust yourself and you know if you did good if they say it's good you got to trust that it's good you know or trust it and you don't be like well how tell me tell me why that was good you know uh give me some you know you gotta you gotta take it and go but he was actually really nice and gave me some good like feedback and said i did some good work so that was really cool to hear you never really get to hear that very much but i think those are probably the people i remember the most are there things you filmed since pam that are coming out in the future anything you can mention or things you can't might be um i don't know if i have anything i can talk about yet um there's, you know, you never know that you book a part until you're on the way home after it's in the, after, after you've worked the day. So, you know, it's uh there is a little bit of a superstitious about it. I mean, I've, I've got some, there's a bunch of lines in the water from some stuff we submitted to recently that I know that I'm being considered for, but uh, you know, the more you talk about it, the more it, uh, it might go away. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, 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 um, I've been doing a lot of tapes the last, you know, several months. So the more you do, it's a numbers game. The more, the more you do, the more, the more lines you put in the water and more fish you'll eventually catch them. But as of right now, I don't have anything I can announce that I'm coming up, that I'll be, uh, in, that are coming up, but uh, hopefully soon, uh, I gotta, I gotta hear about some things, but you know, you never know. All right. Well, your Washaw family sure was excited to see you in these last couple episodes. So, uh, yeah, we're cheering you on. Can't wait to see what's next there. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, switching gears, talking a little bit about Washtenaw. What made you choose Washtenaw for school? I mean, you said you were a Texas kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what drew you across the border over here into to Washtenaw? So I, like many students, uh, didn't really know. Like you know, I was getting. I think getting into my junior year of high school, and I was like, I don't really know what I want to do here. Which now, now I think it's absolutely ridiculous to ask a high schooler what they, what do you want to do? Make a decision about that. Man, we don't heck we want to do but i had started to do this theater thing i really liked that so i was like well let's do that uh going to get a business degree doesn't sound all that fun uh but i luckily was a that's my parents were were supportive enough to be like okay we'll we'll indulge this a little bit and see if there's merit there and i looked at a few schools um oklahoma city university um you know all the you know major like ut and texas university of texas texas tech um a&m baylor and i did some auditioning around there abilene christian university was another one that i was looking they have a really good theater program as well but i had a couple friends um that i went to high school with um christy lord and lauren godfrey um uh, now lauren patterson and they went to washington and i had gone to high school with them and done choir with them and done you know and done theater with them in high school, which I didn't start doing theater in high school until my junior year. And so relatively new to that. Um, but they had all recommended, uh, I think Lauren even jumped ship. She went to Oklahoma city university and then jumped ship to Washington. And so I, uh, had a really fun trip up to Washington and I really liked the way that I liked the way that their degree is set up, um, for, for a musical theater major. Um, a lot of the other places I look at was kind of just, a theater degree and then you take voice lessons hmm. not necessarily a very well-structured musical theater degree um or it was like a vocal performance where you just kind of do a couple of show tunes and that kind of thing so it wasn't really like a musical theater degree like washington and i think that's what made them very unique in that program and 
that program there was and also you have j pass to perform it you got good theater spaces i didn't go to like a major i went to a and m and they had just like a black box theater and i was like really we don't have a stage not that there's anything wrong with the black box but it was it, it didn't impress me you know you're trying to impress me i'm a, I, you want my money sure impress me and uh and uh, um what i by the grace of god washita was washita came at the very very right place at the right time i had some friends going there um at the same time so i had some roommates going into it and uh that's how i ended up there um it was, it was definitely a word of mouth because i don't think i would have heard of it if my friends that were also trying to go into the same degree um had switched and gone there yeah it seemed like you had quite a bit of different performing you know things you were in singers and sounds right oh yeah uh singers sounds um i did that also yeah i did i didn't say no to anything <laughs> Um, Did I see a uh, Tiger Tunes hosting in your yeah the world. I, I was I was a Tiger Tunes host my sophomore year. Um, that was a cool thing. That's still one of the coolest things you ever you'll ever do. I was like, this is the closest as being a rock star as you'll ever get. <laughs> you know, um, no, that was that was stupid fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I tried to. I never had the opportunity to do it again. Like while I was there, because I was coming off of you know uh, like Kurt. And a couple of those guys doing it for like years and years and years and back oh, to back nice. to back. And uh, I, uh, I was like, I had, I was like, oh, I could do that. would be great. And man, I got too busy. Uh, you know, hard to do a theater, hard to do a musical theater degree and then trick you to a tiger tune stuff. But that was, that was one of the coolest experiences. Yeah. That was tiger tunes is so hard to explain to people. It's like that Island in, uh, in like parts of the Caribbean. You, you don't know where it is unless you've already been there, unless you've seen tiger tunes or done it. It's like, almost impossible to describe it to people. <laughs> yeah. I try to, you know, I work with the host now and I had this new group in for lunch and tried to explain like how rock star you feel, you know, in that, and that all of the the students that come and are looking at Washtaw, like think you're a star, you know, I was like, you're going to have to clean up your social media. You're going to have to, you know, everyone's going to be watching you kind of thing. And I, I think some of them just can't imagine it, you know, until they are part of it. But And boy, we just kind of had Facebook. I mean, gosh, this is how I'm, I just turned 34 yesterday. So I'm just like, oh, oh wow. So glad. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm like, oh, so glad that I didn't, we all didn't have as much social media as we did, you know, uh, <laughs> even in college. A, we didn't have time for that. Uh, but B, it was like, okay, fuck, we didn't have to worry about that as much. Yeah. Emily and I talk about that all the time. We're just thankful we didn't have it. You know, we just passed notes in class or wrote notes in our music and showed it to each other and singers. <laughs> Before we had social media, but um, are there some things you learned at Washtenaw that have served you well in your career and in your life? Anything that stick out, like a little lesson that you took away from your time here? I think that, especially with the degree that I had and the way that you know, um, post high school, Michael Krikorian was. Uh, like I said, I didn't say no to anything. I was, I will do any and every scene anyone everyone's recital i'll do every show i'll do oh you want me to do i'll do lighting sound and, and be in the show and and do everything i i wouldn't say no to anything and i th- i think learning how i learned how to you know, learning how to do hard work mm-hmm. and be and uh and you know persevere through that and learn how to fail and be, feel safe in that and also keep going and um just and it's hard thing. Like I, I had to learn how to say no to things later, but I don't think I would have appreciated how to say no to things if I didn't 
not do that in in school and watchtower just gave you so much opportunity to um to work and and they were very encouraging uh while you were there i think as a school as a whole watchtower's like attitude towards like the arts was um something i very much appreciate and i feel like you know uh as as a school of faith as watchtower is i felt like that was a very at least at the time, I thought it was a very healthy attitude towards, uh, towards things. We were like, we were able to do things in class that, you know, you know, probably wouldn't be stuff that we would perform just based on content and that type of thing. But it was always a healthy attitude towards like, Hey, you're going to see other, you know, you're going to see and be asked to, and, and have to perform or get to perform content. That's not necessarily biblical or any of those things. But, um, I think the attitude towards approaching, um, stuff like that was very welcome to watch. I, I ended up going, like there were other schools that I visited that were so just very rigidly structured about things. And, you know, if you're trying to be an artist, you know, I think it's kind of tough to operate under such strict guidelines and, or, you know, strict rules or, you know, I think you kind of know what I'm saying here, but like, I felt like at Washita that, there was a very good feeling of, you know, you're, you're, you're going to go out into the world. Here's a little, here's enough of the world that we can at least show you at. We have our values, you know, we believe in, and, you know, I think trying to figure out how you fit within there, as opposed to fit separately from was, um, was kind of the attitude I felt while I was there. Um, you know, I, I liked that fact that, I mean, how many Baptist colleges you go to that have like a dance program for their musical theater students. And, you know, since I've gone, they have an actual dance studio there, which is awesome. Um, and I think that's a really special place that I ended up at. I probably wouldn't have gotten that anywhere else. The quality of talent that they were able to occur and how they, you know, how they were able to kind of nurture that even as a school they i you know i i really enjoyed my time there um i felt like it was a place i wanted to come back to i was like oh i don't have to go back to school or anything like that you know it, it was it was a lovely place i liked their attitude you know I, and i after my after your first couple of semesters when you're doing core classes and stuff especially as a musical theater major then you just live in the theater and you never see those people again <laughs> Like I made, I made friends like first or second semester. I really just never saw after I was a junior and senior, but um, like it was still a very welcoming campus. And I think that it was a, they had a really good attitude about having a thriving arts department, performing arts department um, at post other places. And I've, and I've really appreciated that. And I've tried to have, and I, I know that I've kind of absorbed that attitude um, to myself as I've gone on as a trying and, being a professional and working in a ton of different environments everywhere from Broadway in New York, you know, to film down here or, or even community theater. I felt like they prepared. It was a very well-rounded school that could, if you took advantage of everything there, it could make you a very well-rounded individual to take who you are and be successful in the world, which has a whole lot of other things that you may not be used to. So I, uh, I attribute a lot of that to Washtaw like my experience there. So I thought that was nice. That's awesome. You know, we have a, a little part on the podcast called fast fave fives, just, you know, five of your favorite things about Washtenaw, your time, uh, favorite professor. Did you have a favorite professor either in your major or, you know, anywhere else across campus? Um, 
it's going to be really hard for me to pick a theater major. So I'm only, I, I, a theater professor. I mean, I love Eric. I love Eric learning under Eric and Scott, Mary and Dan were great. Uh, but I think what, you know, I love all of them. They're all my favorites. I can't pick one, right. but I will say as far as another t- teacher that I took there, Dr. Pemberton was one of my favorite, uh, favorite teachers. I think I had her for, um, uh, I think it was either, I think it was world religions. Um, or so, I think it was that or history, one of those two. And it was just a fun class to always be in. She, it, she was just, she has, she had so much energy and it was always really, really fun. Um, I learned probably the most from, uh, from Eric Phillips, like Dr. Uh, Dr. Eric Phillips, like, man, I worked in the shop with him hours and hours and hours and hours for four years. Um, you know, I worked in New York as a props artist because of stuff that he taught me and, you know, um, he's always a fun guy to be around. He's so dry. He'll come back with those, the funniest jokes you'll ever hear, but they'll come out of thin air and you'll be like, Eric just said that. Okay. That's really awesome. He's got, he's got, a, his wit is on a whole different level than everyone else is at. And when he, he, I'm a volume shooter. He, he picks his, he picks his spots to shoot a shot. I'm going to keep shooting all the shots and it's not, maybe one goes in and it might be funny, but I'll annoy everybody else. Cause I just keep shooting. He'll be like, he knows exactly when to put the ball in the basket and it's going in. And it, I love that about him. I, I, you know, he, he's the one that taught me a whole lot and I took still trying to learn it, but less is more uh, from Eric, from Eric. Um, but uh, yeah, I think probably that Dr. Pemberton and Eric, probably the two. Yeah. Yeah. Eric is so dry and makes, it makes me a little nervous every time I have to ask him something for tunes, but he's always the kindest guy, but I don't know. I'm just always like, I'm sorry. I need to ask for use of something. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> if, yeah. Oh, you, you definitely want to lead in with an apology. Like, Eric, I'm sorry. Yeah. Why am I the person? Because it's not like you've ever been mad at me or anybody, stuff like that. Uh, we used to always have a joke. Uh, I think we were playing, we were playing some game and we were like, what's the worst thing someone could say to you? And then somebody came out with Eric Phillips is disappointed in you. Oh. And all of us were just like, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh no. <laughs> Oh, that was, we were all kids. I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that's the worst thing. That'd be the worst thing. If Eric's disappointed, if Eric was disappointed, you're like, no, I'm done. I, I'm good on earth. Like, no, there's no recovery to that. I've, I've, I've fallen so far. But I would also say he'd be the first person to say that, but then also forgive you and teach you and make it a teachable moment. But I'll never forget that. We're just like, you'd be disappointed. Like, everyone just, I just remember everyone in the room just having the same, just like, oh, no, that's the worst. <laughs> that's awesome yeah he's he's that kind of guy you don't want to don't want to make him mad just kind of be on his good side uh do you have a favorite class anywhere across campus that you that you took i had a really fun music like i said i i have my our musical theater history class was a great class um uh, i just the people that we had all the students everything that we had you know jacob watson and all these people in there at the same time and it was a fun it was fun in there but i think um it was probably one of the hardest classes I've ever taken, but I think it was a communal nature of having to take like Dr. Keck's music history mm-hmm. or uh, the uh, music lit. Oh gosh. Music lit. Yeah. Music literature classes for Dr. Keck were just, they were so nerve wrackingly horrible, but he, that dude was the most brilliant, one of the most brilliant minds I've ever like learned from, you know, the, no notes, never teaches from a single note. He's forgotten more about any of this than you'll ever know. And, but his, I, I think the communal aspect of everyone just panic, having just absolute panic about his tests and quizzes because they were very, very hard. Um, that 
<laughs> I think that was one of the best. It was still one of the best classes I took. Um, I did like Dr. Flora's, um, Dr. Flora's oral skills classes were some of my favorites too. That guy, I remember he had a, his classes were pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Music lit. We, we took all of our notes from music lit and took them down to the pavilion and burned them in the fire pit in the, in the grill. Mm. <laughs> it was oh, too man. hard. I think the list, the listening exams, those were the toughest, oh. like, because you know, you had, you had, he lets you write a, a word bank. You, you All you get is a piece of paper and a pencil on your desk. And then he'll give you a few minutes to write your, your word bank. But it's like, Hey, if you don't write that right, you're already dead yeah. in the water. Like, and, and I, I've tried to explain it to some friends sometimes, like you have to do like year composer period name of the piece. And yet also has to be wrote. Perfect. You can't mess up any of those things. Otherwise you miss the whole question. You're like, that's a lot. And, that I just remember being so nerve wracking when you have the little time to write down like whatever the word bank is and the things that you, he's like, these are the ones that'll be on the test. And you're like, oh, oh. Gosh, you hope you didn't forget one. Then, if, then the panic that comes up when he plays that piece of music and you're like, I have no idea what that yeah. was. I have no clue. What is it? Um, <laughs> oh man, Dr. Keck. I once asked, I once asked Dr. Keck if I bought him a pair of Converse shoes, would he wear them? And he was like, well, I think maybe to mow the lawn or something like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, was there a favorite production or a, a part you played in a, in a show while you were here? Mm. That's, That's a tough one too. I was fortunate enough to get to do a lot. Um, I think I had a blast doing thoroughly modern Millie. Mm. That was fun. Uh, one of the only times I get to do like the leading man type types of uh, musical uh cat in the hat was i probably lost about 15 pounds doing that one just i sweat my butt off um i it was we did a i think my favorite play there that we did um is he dead was so much fun uh, i like to do accents and character work and all that stuff like that so that was a really fun one but um we did this piece, uh, this Eugene Ionesco piece called uh, Six Characters in Search of an Author. And it was so, I think, different from anything that people had seen or had done as performers or as, you know, in school and that type of thing that it was a very just like visceral, dramatic piece that I think we just happened to do at the right time with the right people. And I didn't, I wasn't the part, I didn't have like the big, I wasn't like the largest role that I had while I was at Washita, but honestly, it was still one of the, I think I did a lot more work as an actor in that one than a lot of other ones. Um, another one that comes to mind is when we did um, Playboy of the Western World uh, by uh, J.M. Singh, who's still one of my, he's still like old Irish playwrights are my favorite, but uh, that was really cool to get to do that one. Um, and that was when we there had to do so much work just on accent work which i love um and but just uh i there's a lot of challenges in those couple of plays that i think i learned the most from um as a performer as an actor as you know uh, a castmate uh um yeah i think that those are i think those two plays probably are my i think the if i, if I look back those are probably the two that i think did the most I felt now we're doing some proper acting or from my point of view, from working, like, I feel like, okay, I'm not just kind of floundering around and, 
having fun and you know i'm doing kind of it's like but i felt like those were the two where i feel like kind of felt some things come together as an artist as a person you know tech with with you know as artists there's technique there's talent there's all these other things but you know i felt like those were the first couple of plays where i felt that come together and wasn't relying on it's like singing or being a goofball or those types of things which i can do very well but uh those were the first where i felt like yeah I, okay we're doing this this real acting thing here and that's a Huge credit to all my castmates and all those, and also um, Dan Inouye when he was there, and he was our director for those. And Dan really was patient as oh, he was a saint being patient with my stupid, but but uh, um, he he was he was very he was very influential. And he was just very patient and was able to really help help me learn some things going through those those plays there and i, I think those probably are the two that i remember the most um this may be obvious with the time you spent in verser but do you have a favorite spot on campus like a, a special place on washington's campus I, I could probably say probably maybe the, the maybe the scene shop um but but i mean okay i kind of have to be like this is my favorite spot. i was a theater major and then there's as a washington student yeah. um i think I had some pretty fun memories up on the bridge. Like uh, it was interesting going back there a few years ago. Uh, I think when Scott was retiring and um, just like going like to my wife, was like, oh, this is a bridge. She was like, huh, this isn't all that. And I was like, but we did stuff up here. Like this was cool up here. We used to, you know, um, I, I remember that spot. I, I remember playing ping pong in the rec room for hours and hours and hours uh, in the middle of the night. And sometimes, um, going out to like to gray but i as far as like on campus man I, I always enjoyed just the walk between classes was always wonderful there i just sneezed my head off and had to get all kind of allergy medicine all the time to sing i remember going man i would get sinus infections every other week um but I, it was always a pleasant pleasant walk everywhere it reminds me a lot of it being here in new orleans where you're walking among the uh the oak trees and stuff and over there like the those those the trees and the stuff that they had there it was always it was always a pleasant walk but man i probably spent the most time ever in the in the scene shop and i always had fun in there and um learned tons in there so you know somewhere in the theater it's all up in there <laughs> lighting booth probably was my least favorite part of all that i love doing light but the lighting booth up in verser is just was so claustrophobic at times oh. it's like oh gosh <laughs> and you're only up you're up there you're going to be up there for a long time <laughs> so you're you never know um it was a pleasure to be able to perform on at, at a place like J pass. So it's hard to not have that on my Mount Rushmore list that I kind of make here in no particular order, but um, it's a, that's pretty cool. There's the Washington's got some great spots, man. Yeah. The allergies are still going strong. My car is currently yellow. It's covered, you know, oh, gosh. all the pollen. So it's, it's here. <laughs> I remember not being able to like talk or function and they were like, musical opens like or i have a recital that i'm in or my recital is like tomorrow dr cluck helped me out uh give you know give me all the i i mean there was a couple of times where we had like even theater competition where, like i can't sing i have no voice my, i'm dying and they just shoot you up full of steroids and stuff it's the closest you ever feel like a professional athlete oh, yeah. <laughs> it's because it's like they're like oh yeah you got a cortisone shot and he's gonna go in and pitch you know uh, you know pitch the ninth inning in the world series or something like like the show is opening tonight i can't sing right now what are we gonna do about this you know <laughs> and we've made it happen yeah it seems wrong to the uh, seems wrong for athletes but for music majors it should be fine you know for <laughs> yeah it'll be fine there's no thing but that 
how much antibiotics can a, can a person take in a day? We'll, yeah, we'll figure that out after. You know, you got to just get through your recital. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, any other favorite memories come to mind? I know we talked about a lot of different productions and stuff, but anything just like solid wash on memories that you count as your fave? Uh, I'll never forget going out as a as a host in Tiger Tunes that first Wednesday when all the clubs are there. That was, you know, one of the, probably the biggest crowds I've ever performed for. Also probably one of the loudest crowds I've ever performed for. Um, I'll never forget that opening moment where they were just screaming their heads off and you're just like, ha 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 ha. Oh crap. I have to do the rest of whatever we're supposed to do right now. Whatever Avalon song we were singing at some point, you know, um, that, 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 is uh, definitely never forget her. Um, you know, man, that's a, that, that that's definitely on my top list. It's a doing all night theater. Their twenty four hour play festivals. I was fortunate enough to run that for a couple of years, or be one of the triumvirate that ran that. And that was always a really fun, crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy weekend. Um, yeah, we we just had so many times where we're, we were theater people. We were creatures that thrive in no sleep late at night where we're all just kind of we're all in rehearsals every night and you know those things kind of all bleed together you know it's the memory of doing college theater is kind of its own thing and you never get that again in that context where you know you don't have to go home and work for a paycheck the whole day and then come back and do this. This is what you're here for. This is what you're going to school for. These are the people that you're with for, you know, several years and learning how to, you know, um, not be a jerk, be a team player, learn how to help others, learn how to speak other people's languages, learn how to navigate yourself through a collaborative, you know, collaborative a collaborative life you know not just in theater but just like hey you have to learn how to collaborate with other people on a lot of different things and i think those those are the memories i have of just like us figuring out impossible things like how are we going to do this let's all figure it out because you don't get to do that very much anymore um you know it's a really it's a sing it's a pretty singular thing that you know you get to do as a theater major and wash cultivated that and like my best memories of us just like being up late going like, how are we going to put this show up in two days uh, considering where we are now? And it always happens. It always happens. Yep. I don't know how, but it always happens. Yeah. We feel like that with tunes sometimes. Is it going to happen? Sure. It's going to come together. Yeah. Some of the club shows, sure. even you're like, yeah, I'm not sure it's going to come together, but. It always does. And then sometimes they don't really actually come <laughs> together, but darn it, if they're not up there. That's true. And, uh, <laughs> and sometimes those are the funniest ones. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Much to the chagrin of all the people that, uh, all the all the other uh, clubs that have everything down. Then you have the ones that are up there, and they like, hey, I remember those. Those were really funny. Like the the the, uh, the trash men that were barely had a barely had a set there. Just been, I remember them the most. Sorry, ease, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I love it. Well, Michael, thanks so much for hopping on today. Uh, so great to catch up. And yeah, we've just loved seeing you in all these productions. I can't wait to see what's next for you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me and listening to me ramble on for a while. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes. Oh, yeah.